Hello, mostly yogis. Welcome back to the party. It's been a while. Today's episode is brought to you by the Fort PT. The Fort is a fully equipped mobile gym that provides customized personal training to clients according to their individual needs and fitness goals. Jang Jang. Uh, they're having another Animal Flow introductory introductory class happening this month on the. 24th of July. Be sure to check out their Instagram at the Fort PT. That's T H E F O R T P E T. You can drop them a message uh, you want to find out more. And if you mention that you are a listener of the podcast, your first session with them, uh, with the personal training, will be free. Hmm. Also, we have a new sponsor, which I'm very excited to introduce. Uh, it's Plastic Free. Yeah. I'm sure most of you in the yoga scene would have heard about this small local business that's making a big impact in, in the world of sustainability. Uh, the Singapore-based online store offers a bunch of affordable, eco-friendly products from reusable, reuse, re, blah, 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 reusable cups, these reusable collapsible cups. I have one. I bring it all around. It's very useful. Uh, to metal straws and other sustainable items that you could use in your daily lives to stay green on the go. Start your journey towards a zero waste lifestyle today. Visit the store at plasticfree.co. Plasticfree spelled P-L-A-S-T-I-K-F-R-E-E dot C-O. Or check out the Instagram with the same name, Plastic Free. Links in the description thing below. Hmm. So, I want to just update everyone on what's been going on so far. Most of you know that I haven't had a new episode out in the past few weeks. That's because I was busy with my 200-hour training. Uh, I apologize for not being consistent with the, with the uploads. Uh, but I really wanted to be as present as I could during the training, so I decided to just not work on the pod entirely during this month, this period of one month. But I'm back at it, uh, and I'm trying my best to have one out as often as I can. Uh, but uh, doing this uh, as fun as it is, it it takes a lot of work, and I you know I have to I have to schedule people. I have to schedule the guests, I have to go down, I have to record, I have to edit, I have to think of what to write, think of what to say, I have to prepare the trailers that you always see on, on, on my IG, uh, and it's a lot of work, and it's it's just me, I'm the only one doing it, and I think I, this, this pressure that I put on myself for wanting to meet the deadlines, you know, and to wanting to meet everyone's expectations... It's caused me a bit of um, to burn out for a bit. I was getting tired. I was getting distracted. I was. I just didn't have time to to do the things that I want to do. Didn't have time to go yoga. Didn't have time to go for jits. Um, I haven't met my friends in a long time. It's just giving me a bit of anxiety and and having gone through the training and sort of I haven't potted in a while. Uh, gave me a bit of bit of fresh air. To, to think about all this and to reflect. So as much as I enjoy doing this, I think I'm got to be honest with myself and 
only like if I'm tired, I'm I'm not gonna be able to churn it out once a week. So I'll try and do it as much as I can, but still within like you know my own limitations. Yeah, that's yeah. Thought I just share that. Okay, my guest today is Robert Koss. Robert and I did the recent yoga training, te- yoga teacher training together, which ended last week. Uh, we became close over the past month and decided to just do a party together to talk about our experiences with the course, uh, since it was still fresh in our minds. So, the party, it, it's a, it, it, it gets a bit personal, gets a bit intimate. And we talk a lot about our past. We share a lot about our individual journeys with yoga and how it's made an impact on our lives. And, and just a lot about what went down during the TT. Yeah, um, I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you guys understand it because most of the things that we talk about, uh, is like what happened during the TT. So I'm not sure if there's any context, but it's, I, I listened to it again. It, it felt quite general. I don't know. I am sorry if, 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 if people are confused or if they don't understand what we're talking about. Alright, uh, here it is. Uh, without further ado, here's Robert. Alright, man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for inviting me to your place. It's a nice place. It's a nice setup you have here. You got all the fruits piled up here. Very hospitable. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot. Mm. Yeah, you come to my place, you eat fruit. Yeah, you get treated well. <laughs> Just like how when we talked about when we had our swim, I guess we're going to start out with a bit of introductions on the TT that we've experienced. So for a little background story, we both went on our 200-hour training mm-hmm. um, at with Lee, and that's how we met, right? This was a few weeks ago, right? We started our journey at the beginning of this month, and it's been about a month. It's coming to an end. This weekend is the or tomorrow is the last weekend that we're gonna be spending together, mm-hmm. and throughout our month, we've experienced a lot, both intellectually, spiritually, even emotionally as well, physically of course of all the practice. How's that feel, man? <laughs> How does that feel? It feels pretty good. Yeah. Um, Doing a YTT is a, a life dream of mine that I've had for a while. And honestly, this TT is better than I could have ever hoped. How so? Well, you can edit out the pauses, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, why don't we talk a little bit about the YTT? We'll just kind of give the listeners the general specifics because there's some stuff that's pretty interesting about this program and I think the first thing that's interesting about this YTT is the structure of it. It's intensive, it's full-time and most of the course has been over 16 days. 10 hours a day, 16 days straight. It's not normal that, I mean maybe it's not normal but I don't think it's normal that there is such a huge stretch because I think the way she structured it was because a lot of the people were teachers, like school teachers, and they could only take a certain amount of leave off. And she wanted to combine both the part-time and the full-time 
into one like immersive experience. That's why we had the long 16 day stretch. But the 16 day stretch was a long, a long and tiring stretch. And it really pushed us. Right. And yeah, I did. So yeah, you were saying like how, in what way was it like different or, and what are you comparing it to? Comparing it to a part-time program on weekends where you do two days mm. or even two half days. Then Over you have like a whole three week. months, yeah. Yeah, and you have a whole week to digest between each of them. We were just getting like day after day and that was strong physical practice. It was difficult learning, like a lot of intellectual stuff to integrate mm. and we were coming home with homework. Yeah, that's true. So at the very end of the day, you know, 4.30 p.m. when we're tired or on weekdays, we're ending at 6.00. And we're tired, right? And she pops an assignment on us, like by the time playing you a sixty-minute sequence. Yeah, then you gotta <laughs> do, do it, it for do it tomorrow morning. Fuck. <laughs> but I felt that it was necessary. Well, like we needed to go through that, and I wouldn't say it's like it's it wasn't like a like um like it felt it still felt fun. It wasn't like oh man, I gotta do this, but like okay, let's do this. You know, like I'm tired, but then I get home, I still want to do it just because. It's 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 something that you care about. Like you want to do the thing. You know, it's not like something I dread. Yeah. But then because of that, like you you overextend physically, mentally, and you show up the next day, and then like, I mean, like you look at the people from our TT. A lot of them are just pushing it hundred percent all the way. You know. Yeah. You get energy from the group. Yeah. You might have given everything that you've got inside of you, but then you come. There's this nice group feeling yeah, that yeah. leads created, and boom. Yep, I agree. I mean, this is my... I've been through a few TTs. This is my second official one. Fourth unofficial one. Uh, the first one the first one I did was my first official 200. This is my second official one. The ones in between, I sat in on at MP and at YM. Here and there. But every TT is always different. Every TT's structure, style, the curriculum, it's all different. Teachers teach a different way, even though it's the same thing. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And the way that she did it was like I'm not surprised like that's how her TT turned out because that's her style. You know it from her class. You know it from her personality. This is the way that she wanted to conduct it, and it. No, what do you mean? Are you talking about the intensity with the? Time no, not or the intensity. Else? The 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 um the the style the style of it, where it's very feeling a lot of self self um. Very introspect, introspective. It's very like like, like you ask a question and she's like, "What do you think about it?" Yeah, and like I don't know. <laughs> then like then you search yourself to answer that question. So it's also in a way, deliberately empowering to us. Sure, you remember how we learned queuing in this TT? Yeah, right? she was like, "How will you queue it?" Like I don't know, like this. Like okay, <laughs> yeah. She said, like, "Go home, practice it yourselves." <laughs> Imagine what you would be telling yourself as a yeah, student. Teach what you want. Teach how you want to be taught. I wrote that down somewhere in my book. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's interesting how this feeling stuff came out of the TT. So we, one of the textbooks that we had for the course was a book called Living the Sutras, mm. where each chapter had part of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, mm. and then there'd be reflective exercises about how they apply to your life. And we spent a lot of time sharing our answers discussing what those concepts mean to us and some of it got pretty personal all of them got pretty personal man mm. almost all of them and I think like we gave a lot of thought into each question because we wanted to answer them as wholeheartedly as we could 
but also in a way because we didn't know each other you don't really want to share that kind of information so it's all very vague mm-hmm. but yet still to the point like um, like a lot of things that we shared were, were like oh okay this happened to me or this is what I experienced like, and then like what and then you hear it like what okay yeah. but then you don't know the details you don't know why or what but then you sort of understand it on a very surface level and then we gotta move on to the next person like oh okay so that's I think I was having a conversation with um, I, I can't remember maybe it was Sharita and, and, and Elaine and, and Claire mm-hmm. on the, the last day of our stint about how we our group we know each other so well on a personal level but we don't like I don't know how many siblings you have I don't know what your favorite color is but right. I know what what kind of issues you got you know I know the darkest secret but I don't know where you stay or you know what do you do for a living that kind of thing like simple stuff I don't know but I know all the dark stuff it's funny that and I think it's because in the course we didn't do a lot of small talk yeah we did we had did no a lot time of, like, deep we hard. had no time yeah <laughs> I barely like every time when we revealed something like someone says something and I would be so interested to want to find out more but we couldn't we gotta move on or if we had lunch you know like usually the boys do our own thing the girls are somewhere or we split and then we and I, and I, I don't get a chance to talk to whoever to find out more and yeah and the then, last thing you want to be doing after five hours straight of yoga practice teaching is have a conversation about yeah. what you do during the week yeah. yeah so it's strange like the question could be asked right and I'm sure people are thinking about this why is that important in becoming a yoga teacher? Why do you need to go to these deep places in your emotional self? I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad, I'm glad that you steered this conversation in that direction because I felt we would have just went on on a tangent. Um, I'll ask you that same question. Why do you feel that it's important to be able to search yourself, um, to, to dig out all these, these um, skeletons and to address them? And how does that make you a better person even yeah let's hear it from the student perspective as well as the counselor perspective which i'm sure you have as well right okay yeah yeah, yeah. aaron's right i'm yeah. also a trained counselor hey. <laughs> so i remember the answer that lee gave us right but i don't think this is the full picture so i'll give what lee said and then i'll go a little bit further and interpret it so she said that when you're a teacher When you're a yoga teacher, you're up there in front of people, you're guiding them, and it's a super vulnerable position. I agree. All eyes are on you, they're listening to you, they're hanging on what you're saying, and they notice everything about you. Every quirk that you might have in your speech, every time you say, um, ah, when you mix up your lefts, your rights, and they, and the nature of yoga teaching, I think, is that it pushes you into quite an extreme place you know you're working in a job that makes you tired and in teaching you have difficult moments right yeah so all of this stuff people see it this is what Lee was saying Mm. you know and if you're not aware of it if you haven't come to terms with it it could really be an Achilles heel in your teaching how so so what if I have some some issues What's that got to do with my ability to teach? Or how do you think it will have an effect? Or rather, I'll share mine first. Okay. Here's what I think, and, and, and this is what I feel someone else has shared this with me as well. I can't remember who, but anyway. I feel that 
say if you were teaching anything, you just need to be very experienced with that subject, and then you 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 regurgitate it to someone else, right, in your own way. So that's what teaching is in in its essence. But as a yoga teacher, first of all, the two hundred hours is not enough for you to be an experienced teacher. Even though you do know a lot about yoga academically, it may not mean that you can be a good teacher to disseminate information, right? Another thing is that, like, because yoga is such a, how do I say, um, like you kind of have to be, you have to have your shit together to teach a good class, because if you show up like emotionally unstable, you are sad or whatever, it will show in that class. Your negative energy will show. People will know what kind of person you are based on how you perform, right? It doesn't mean that if you are a good person, or rather, if you're having a good day, doesn't mean that the person may enjoy that class. If you're having a bad day, doesn't mean that person will not like your class. But I feel like you have to be put together as a person to be able to conduct a good class. And the teaching the yoga forces you to be that better person for yourself, for other people. Well, let's try to think of a more concrete example, right? So. I think as a teacher, it's possible that you have things which you could be triggered by in students,、mm. right? So let's say that you're a practitioner, as in you as the teacher in your own practice, you're someone who likes to push yourself hard,、mm. and that's part of what yoga means for you: getting on the mat, going 110 percent, pushing to these difficult places, and then you have a group of students who don't seem to have the same drive, drive. as you do. How do you respond to that?、Mm-hmm. Right now, the answer is you don't you need don't, to respond、yeah. to it. It's just their business. It's their practice. They're doing what they like. But if you don't realize that there's a difference between how you see yoga and how they see yoga, there's a danger that you, as a teacher, are going to come in and try and impose yourself on them.、Uh, Go yes. harder. Yes, yes, yes. Sink deeper into your warrior too. You're not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's also that. Aspect of、um, you practice at your own pace. If you you does just because you can do the thing doesn't mean you have to do the thing.、Mm-hmm. There are, there are times when like I don't feel like doing the arm balance and I just don't. Yeah. And that's fine. And then when it's cued and if I don't take it, it would be on the teacher's fault if she took offense to that,、mm-hmm. right? Because it's like I don't feel like doing it today. It doesn't mean I'm not listening to you. Just I'm I'm respecting my body's limitations on that day,、mm-hmm. and if the teacher took offense to that, that's on that's on that person, what, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I think this is what I'm getting at, or what、mm. Lee's getting at, with getting to know yourself. You know, if you are someone who really likes to push yourself in your practice, why is that?、Mm. Maybe there's something that goes back to your childhood, right?、Ooh. Maybe you were a kid who wasn't physically that strong, and you always got creamed in sports, and then yoga is like. The revenge you're taking for that, your chance to shine and be strong, and that, that's fine. But you just need to be aware that that's what's motivating you,、yeah. and that's not what's going to be motivating everyone else. I have a lot of things to say about that, but I, I guess to to build up to it, like you notice a lot of people in our YTT, the ones that push, 
end up having a story that relates to why they are so fiery yep. or why they're so why they're they're pushing themselves to be better or whatever. They're all the people that hated PE at school. Yeah. How often all, did we hear that comment? Yeah, and you 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 saw it like, oh, this is why, and then like, ah, I see why that happened to you. You are like this now. Mm-hmm. And through the practice of yoga, it brings awareness to your body, it brings awareness to your mind, brings awareness to your breath, and all this connects. You start to bring awareness to why are you doing certain things a certain way, and then you trace it all the way back. You're like, oh, it's because of whatever thing that happened when you were a child or whatever trauma that you experienced, or any experience, good or bad, that led you to who you are today. So it's just that amount of awareness, like, like, like you start to see yourself yep. through and the practice. Having that awareness enables you to be non-judgmental of others. Exactly. Because if you didn't have that awareness, you might think in your own mind, that student's lazy. Mm. I agree. So it's, it's also, again, like you've got to be, you've got to have all the yamas and yamas to want to, to wanna be a good teacher. You've got to see a student for who they are. You've got to empathize. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to understand that everybody comes from different, different, different folks, different strokes. Yep. And then they come to your class for their own reasons, not for you, but also for you. Right. right? It's a, it's a lot going on. It's like another level of thinking where you can easily think of the yoga class as just a thing you go to to work out mm-hmm. and then a thing to come to find peace. Yep. You know, in whatever peace means to you. La. Very interesting. Yeah. Did you feel this way before you started the TT? How did you feel going into the TT? Like, what were you expecting? Oh, wow. This is a whole, uh, <laughs> this is a whole interesting topic. Okay, before we get there, I'll just uh, finish what I was thinking. So yeah. I gave Lee's answer, right? The reason that it's important to know all this emotional stuff is because it's going to come out in your teaching, right? I think the flip side of that is if you're aware of who you are as a person and a practitioner, you can find a teaching style and a teaching voice that's authentic to you. Mm. If you really understand why you practice and what needs it's filling for you, you can be a more unique teacher. And that's what Lee was trying to do. She was trying to create teachers who are unique. You know, they have a personality. She's not trying to just churn out people who give the standard cues and can lead you through an aerobics routine. And that's very commendable. Like, because almost all the TTs that I go to, they are teaching teachers to teach, but in a very structured way. Say this, because that's what everybody else has been saying about this pose. That's how you get into this pose. Say this, this, this. And for this pose, say this, this, this. Yeah. So then everybody's just queuing for the sake of queuing. And yep. that's how we all sort of started, right? But then she showed us a different way where, like, um, how can you embody these cues? How can you make these cues yours? How can you mean what you say? Because um, triangle pose to me feels different from triangle pose to you. For me, doing this gives me more length. But for you, doing that gives you more grounding. So who is right, who is wrong? Mm-hmm. And whether the cue makes sense to you and I mean, the best way to, to teach would be to teach the cues that make sense to you. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel better and I feel that by cueing this way, I feel better, I feel more length and I feel yeah. more grounded. So I will do that. It's not right or wrong. It's just that I experienced this, so I'm going to share my experience. Right. And she has conducted the TT in a way where it empowers you to do just that. Yeah. yeah. I think most people, when they get out of their first YTT, they've got a standard script in their head Mm. of how to run a yoga class. And as they get more experience, they unlearn those Uh, things and they replace them with things that are more authentic. Whereas Lee was like, straight from the bat. Yeah. yeah, 
don't even get the script just go right to your authentic mm. self okay yeah I agree yeah. it 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 may it's a risky it's felt risky like when the first when like I first sort of understood what she was doing I was like oh I, like to me this is so new and I've already been I've already been teaching for a year like, I wonder how you guys would feel but you guys adapted pretty well like yeah that's an interesting question right? I I was completely comfortable with that because as a practitioner, without big noting myself, I'm mm. fairly experienced, right? I've been doing this for a while and I've gone to a lot of different kinds of teachers. I didn't need someone to tell me that to get someone into a triangle, you can tell them to tip the hand forward and whatever you do, whatever the generic cue is mm. for a triangle, right? Um, but I wonder if you were someone who had only been doing yoga for a few months and then you get the advice, well, go home, do the pose and see what how it feels for you. Yeah. Maybe you'd be a bit lost. But, but that, we were all pretty experienced yeah, practitioners. That's the thing. So I feel like our group it, it it helped that we were all it felt that everything connected. Yeah. We were all a bunch of people who resonated with her, who were relatively experienced and we all got something out of it in our own way. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, it worked out. Yeah. Um, so what was I expecting from this course? Yes. It was a leap of faith for me, mm. right? So I chose this YTT primarily because it fit my schedule, mm. right? I'd never gone to Hong before, and I didn't even know that much about Hong, mm. right? I'd heard of Blair. Because someone I know in Sydney had worked with Blair oh, yeah, yeah, at a yeah. studio there. Um, but that's all I knew of Hom. And Hom is kind of its own world within the yoga community here, right? Like it's not on class pass. Mm. And the people who go to Hom don't tend to go to other studios. Is that fair to say? Uh, maybe. But yeah, I mean, they have their own community. Yeah. Right. And... Even though I knew a lot of teachers and a lot of studios in Singapore, I hadn't really heard much about Hong. Mm. And I hadn't heard anything about Lee. Mm. Right? Mm. So I looked at this course on Google and thought, okay, the dates fit me. Wow, that's Let's risky. check out the that teacher. That's so risky though. Yeah. <laughs> but but it gets even riskier, right? So I went for her I managed to catch two of her classes before I committed to the yeah. course, right? The first one was a 45-minute lunchtime vinyasa. And I didn't get it. In what way? So, first of all, for the previous eight or nine months before that class, I'd been at boutique studios, mm. right? So I was used to getting six people in a class where you get close attention from um, a teacher and at that point in my practice, I was very asana focused, right? Most people often are. Yeah, asana and alignment focused. So when I went for classes, I was looking for a hard peak pose that would challenge me and close attention from a teacher, mm. you know? Hong, it's a bigger commercial studio. It's a 45 minute vinyasa class and it was full. This was an Orchard or Raffles? Raffles. And it's a hot studio. Yeah. Yeah? It is. And I don't like hot studios. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it wasn't my sort of class. And 
I mentioned how alignment focused I was at that point in my practice. Yeah. And as we both know, Lee is not at all alignment focused as a teacher. She's alignment focused, but that's not her focus focus. Like, she focuses more on what feels good. She focuses on three things, right? <laughs> yeah. Are you grounded? Do you have space? Can, Can you find, find length? length? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's that's actually a really good approach, right? And that's, that is alignment on its own, right? It's alignment that respects individual difference. And it's awareness. It brings your awareness. Like, these three words are, f- are forcing you to find those things and forcing you to find your own alignment. It empowers you. It does. To find your own expression of the pose, yeah. right? Now, think about me, right? I'm alignment-focused Rob. I come into this class. I look around me. I see all these people doing these poses, quote-unquote, wrong. Right? Ah. There's someone in a side angle, their butt's kind of to the door. And I'm looking at Lee, wondering, why isn't she, quote-unquote, correcting? correcting? She's got to come over and adjust ah. these people, right? I didn't get it, mm. right? Um, I get it now, but I didn't get it at the time. So I'd done the vinyasa class, and I was like, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have much feeling for it, right? right? Um, so I checked out one of her yin classes and it was fantastic. Uh, She's a great yin teacher. Yeah. So I knew, okay, I don't really get her vinyasa classes, but if she can teach yin, we'll click on some level. Right. Right. Cause I love yin. Right. But I was still unsure and uh-huh. I was emailing her questions and things like that, trying to find out a bit more about what would happen in the program, where she's coming from as a teacher. And she could tell that I was... Flaky. Not indecisive? Unsure. Yeah. Right? And she said to me, look, if you're not sure, just don't go with me. It's your first TT. You should yeah. pick a teacher that you feel comfortable with. That's You've true. got all these other teachers that you like. You should do it with yeah. one of them. And when she said that to me, I knew that she had a lot of integrity as a person. Uh-huh. Right? I knew that... The students in this TT were not just dollars in the bank for her. Yeah. She cared about people being there for the right reasons. Yeah, and I know that she's got a fan following. And I know, like, it's like look at half the people in our TT. They're all, like, from her her retreat. And, like, they, they are all long-time followers of Lee. Yep. So she, like, if I was Lee as well, and I was staying true to the... I was trying to uphold what I wanted to to, to, to do in the TT... I would want some random guy like, oh, I just want 200 hours to show up and like, get it. I want to save that spot for someone who's really interested to learn. Yeah. So I guess like, like sure, like if, if you didn't resonate with her, you had every right to, to find someone else. But I kind of wanted to do it because I didn't resonate with her. Right? Let me explain. So I knew... <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I knew that she had regulars who had been with her for years. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's obviously something that's quite special about it. Right? Okay. Now, there's something special about this teacher that I don't get, but maybe if I do her TT, I'm going to figure out what that is and I can add it to myself. That's a risky move, Robert. Like I said, it was a leap of faith. Okay. Yeah, and I was, what was I expecting? I was prepared for it not to go well. Whoa, that's self sabotage, man. No, I had an open mind, but I was prepared for the possibility that it wouldn't be right, that it would be just me getting my qualification, but not relating and, to and, the course very and much. And you, you sort of like 
risked that. But why though? Because I felt confident enough in my own practice ah. that a, a bad in quotes PT would wouldn't, not wouldn't throw me off you. course. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Like. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I decided that I wanted to be a teacher, and I already had a pretty clear idea about how I wanted to teach. You just you're just going through the ropes to get the two hundred, and then like, yeah, okay, it was, it was at, an all right minimum, experience. I'm just gonna go. I teach. was hoping it would be better, but yeah. I was prepared for that possibility. Wow! So then you sort of set the bar low, but and now it's it's like it's over. It's over. Um, what's the word? Exceeded your expectations. Like I said, it's a dream come true. Yeah, wow. I didn't dare hope the course would be this good. Yeah. Yeah, and I was prepared to learn a bunch of generic cues, mm. get a generic yoga script so that I could go and teach a generic class. And what we got, as we talked about, was something completely different. Mm. You know, I feel like Lee was not teaching us or she was not preparing us for our first class. She's preparing <sighs> us for our first 10 years of classes. Wow. Right, the stuff that we've learned in this program, we'll be able to grow with it for years. I definitely agree with that. I feel like whatever I've learned, like I, I've, I've told you guys, like I yeah, I've been teaching for a year, but like everything that I've learned that is new, or at least in a certain way, is new to me. Yeah. And I saw yoga in a different way that I really I like this way of yoga. It it makes me feel like. I'm more respectful of it. Like I'm yeah. more respectful of this practice. It's now, not just about. I know about, what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. But we got to explain it for people. Go what for did it. What did we learn that's so unique and different there? Hmm. I've always okay. My definition of or what yoga means to me has always been a form of therapy, which I've shared in during one of our sharing sessions or whatever. That yoga yoga is therapy. Therapy of the body. Therapy of the mind. You move, you feel better. You're exercising. That's keeping your body healthy, and through that connection of the breath, the body, and the mind brings awareness, and that awareness um, helps you make better decisions, makes you be a better person. When you're in your balancing poses, you're focused, and that is meditation in move in motion. Right, you're staying in your warrior three. You're staring at a point to focus. You're not thinking about your emails. You're not thinking about your your girlfriend. You're not thinking about your work. So in that moment, there is clarity, and and with that clarity. Comes awareness, which gives you a, 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 like you go out into the world feeling better. Someone bumps into you on a train, you're like, eh, you know, it's all right, it's all good, and and that positive energy spreads to other people, right? So, it is in a way making people feel better. You're making the world a better place, essentially, on a grand philosophical scale. So, through her teachings, through the teachings, she. Showed us a way of how to sequence or to plan different classes in a different, in a strategic way, to bring awareness to certain aspects of our emotions. Let's say, uh, theming in the, of the class, theming it to, 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 to say, like love or compassion or devotion, that kind of thing. How do we do it, and how do we show it in a physical sense through the practice? How do we tie it all together? And also, how do we find these 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 um little inspirations? So now I'm going out into the world looking for things that I can use in my class. What is an act of compassion that I can see? How can I make create this to be able to use this as a moral for my theme? I am trying to find experiences that are positive to bring them to class to continue to spread that positivity. 
So, so that to me is what, what I've learned, you know, mm-hmm. and through all the yamas and yamas and all that, I get a better picture of it. Yeah, let, let, let's explain it a bit more. So like Lee, she has a, a very deep knowledge of yoga philosophy, of Ayurvedic medicine. Oh yeah, Ayurvedic is another fun thing to do. Um, she, she's got a really deep knowledge of all of the philosophical stuff within yoga and a lot of philosophical stuff from outside of it. Mm. And what she manages to do with her classes is she manages to teach that sort of stuff, but not without lecturing the class. Right? Uh. So she might sequence a class around a particular yama, right? And she'll begin the class with a quote or a personal anecdote or maybe a retelling of one of the fables or something from Indian mythology, right? And she'll only take a minute or so, but she'll invite you as the student to think about that in your practice. So you'll set your own intention either based on what she said or something kind of inspired by that. Then in her classes, the poses are sequenced around that, right? So if it's something regarding, I don't know, patience or what's the word, equanimity, she might get you into longer holds, right? And she'll cue based on that. Yeah, She has different cues That's based amazing. on That's what really she amazing, wants yeah. you to feel. Uh, during the class of devotion, every cue was about offering. Yeah, and the humble how, warrior. What can you offer? How can you bow down? Yeah. And then, and, and then there's, so there's theming of, of uh, emo, uh, what do you call that, emotions? Or, or um, theming according to, to feelings. Yeah. Then there's theming um, through your, your, your dosha. Yeah. Then there's theming for... So for example, with the doshas, right? She'll know that in a lunchtime class, according to Ayurvedic medicine, there'll be a particular dosha that's heightened in people. Mm. So she'll be able to adjust or tweak what she's doing mm. as a teacher to satisfy that dosha, to pacify it that's, a little that's bit. That's magic. Yeah? It's straight up magic. I think about it. Like to come in to, 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 for her to read the room, like let me look at the people's like whether they're thin or whatever if they are yeah. kappa vita or whatever and then it's like all right i'm gonna soon do this and that's it she can adjust on the yeah. fly ah. yeah we had a morning remember the morning where everyone cried yeah right there was a particular morning where the, the back the, the heart back opening, heart opening one yeah yeah and um she had a whole sequence planned for us around yeah that was supposed to build up to some pretty intense backbends, apparently, right? But people started getting emotional in the class. Yeah. It was a point in the YTT when we were starting to open up. Yeah. And I think people were probably getting a little bit exhausted and one person started crying and a bunch of others did. <laughs> and she was able to... Uh, Hold space, yeah. manage it and adjust it according to us. If I was in that class, I would have just continued making everybody do the thing because I don't know, like fucking, you just cry. I, stop I, crying and get yeah, the wheel. Yeah, stop crying and get. <laughs> <laughs> but that comes with experience. All these, all the 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 list of sequences she has in her mind, like oh, yeah. Peter, um, at twelve in the afternoon with this person. All right, this is yeah. the thing I want to do. And she was getting us to do it, right? Mm. So there were. Times when she'd be like, okay, you have 20 minutes to plan a 20-minute sequence. Now, I think either of us could do that, just putting a bunch of poses together. But this 20-minute sequence has to target something within Ayurvedic medicine, Mm. and you're supposed to open with a quote that reflects that, 
and close the sequence with a quote that will Tie end it energetically. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of there's a lot to think about. And I struggle with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's supposed to be something that's authentically you yeah. as well. So then it forces you to search deep within to find that thing that you embody. What is devotion to you? What is compassion to you? Can you find it? Or, you know, it's very introspective. And I think that's what I feel after the TT where we're all fucking confused. We're all like lost because all these doors have been opened. And like, we're just wandering. We, we slowly step into the light and we're like, whoa, okay, this is, I don't know what to do. Where am I? And then like, it's just over like that, right? Yep. And, and for a lot of people, it finished uh, Sunday night and then Monday morning, they're back yeah, in the straight office. Straight to work, yeah. There's no time to reflect. There's no time to, to digest. And I've never thought of this TTS, or rather I, I didn't want to see this, this TTS um, a, a, a therapy session because I'm not here to, 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 to share all my problems, right? I'm here to learn. But then through the sharing sessions that we have, you reveal a little bit about yourself and you get a little bit emotional sometimes and those doors open, right? The stuff that you suppress for years, you open it for the sake of camaraderie to share and to open a door to search within the door to find that thing that you embody for theming, mm -hmm. let's say. And because all these things happen, at the end of it, we the doors are still open. We haven't reconciled with these emotions and then we're all a little bit lost. We're all a bit tender, we're all a bit vulnerable mm -hmm. and we're all we're coming out into the world that doesn't can't relate to us right I go back to where like hey how's your TT ha ha he, he. no one really understands what we went through it's sort of like war yeah. and then the only things that we can go back to relate to is each other that's why that's why we can come back like hey man like how, how's, it, how's it going I go back to oh I see everybody yeah like, the whatsapp know. groups yeah whatsapp groups active. on fire you know like so it's strange but it's also kind of cute like it's mm. nice that we are bonding but we are we are only one month old we are still strangers you know yeah like i don't really know you very well you know mm. but we but i know you very well at the same time mm. so it's very strange it's very interesting it's i guess that's what the community was meant to be like like what she wanted to create and i mean we heard a lot of stories from each other we shared a lot of stories about each other as well which I wanted to, one of the questions that I wanted to ask also was about a little bit more about the thing that you shared okay. during class, if you want to go down that road. I'll talk about it more in generalities, just sure, because sure. I don't want to... Out of privacy. And, yeah, yeah, and there's other people involved in that. But um, I had a pretty traumatic childhood, mm. right? And one of the things that yoga has given me is a reconnection with my body that was cut very early, mm. right? So um, the doctor, the, the psychiatrist, one of them, the, one of the psychiatrists who discovered PTSD, his name's Dr. Basil van der Kolk. He, okay, hang on, let me gather my thoughts a little bit, <laughs> figure out how to explain this. Okay, so basically trauma can really screw up a lot of things inside of you, right? It can screw up your emotional functioning, it screws up your psychological functioning, and it screws up your physical relationship with yourself. So you could have, for example, a person who's a fully grown adult, right? And they suffer a massive traumatic shock. 
So they might be in a car accident and see someone die in front of them, or maybe they get raped or something like that. And following that, they might lose awareness of entire parts of their body. Right, so I see where this is going, and I agree, but go on. Yeah, yeah. So I was reading a book. It's a fantastic book called The Body Keeps Score. And it's by one of the doctors who first discovered PTSD. And he describes the case of a lady who was sexually assaulted, and he referred her for massage therapy. Right? And the masseuse is uh, touching her shoulders, touching her arms, blah, blah, blah. And when the masseuse got to the lady's legs she thought that the masseuse had left the room because she literally could not feel his hands on her legs. Whoa. Right? Like, the trauma of being raped had rewritten the map in her mind of her body Mm. and it had erased the site of the trauma, right? Her entire lower body. Mm. Now, think about that for a minute. Does it make sense? It makes sense. I, I I believe that what happens in the body or what happens in the mind, like the mind and the body are connected. Mm-hmm. When you have a bad dream, your mind is racing, you dreamt that you, you were being chased. You run around in your mind, you wake up, your body is in a pool of sweat. You feel tired. You feel yeah. like you physically went, you were being chased, right? Mm-hmm. But you didn't, you were dreaming. When you, in a yoga pose, you do certain poses, you hold it for long enough, you start to tear because there is some release through that physical um, action. Yeah. So, yes, the emotions aren't just things that occur within your mind. They're actually yeah. physical states as well. So Someone can, who's afraid will have sweaty palms that yeah, have a racing yeah. heart. They take a particular posture. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? Um, so, I can understand how these two things are related. Mm-hmm. And the practice of yoga brings awareness to those areas. Yeah. Focus on your hips, uh, focus on this, focus on that, breathe into this, breathe into that. And it slowly starts to unlock these areas. And in a way, which relates back to it being therapy. And for for a normal person, what they'll get from it is an increased awareness Mm. of those parts of the body. They'll be able to feel deeper into their hips. They'll be able to feel parts of their foot or their back or whatever. But if you're a person who had lost that feeling entirely, Mm. yoga can allow you to rediscover it. Like most bad experiences when we face, we try and hide it, we try and suppress it. We try and put it in a little drawer in our mind and we close it and we throw the key away. Just like how you can also shut out certain parts of the body, right? Mm. Uh, Let's say you were were abused in a certain area or whatever, and then to, to not trigger those emotions you block out that part of the body it makes sense it's it's the body's natural way of protecting yourself right yep. yeah it makes sense yeah i buy it and as a result of the trauma that i had in my childhood when i first started doing yoga i had zero body awareness in certain parts of my body mm. right i wish that there were photos and videos of me trying to do the warrior poses when i began because i I'd try and copy what the teacher would do, was doing. I thought I'd be doing it. Then I look in the mirror. It's completely different. My butt will be out to the side. One of my knees is not even bent like it should be. But in my own mind, I thought I was doing it correctly. Yeah. Right. And as I did more and more yoga, I managed to learn to feel into these places. 
yeah, I rediscovered a, a connection to all of these parts of my physical body. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Well, look, I don't, I don't know why this happened, but when I started getting deep into my hips, maybe like a year or a year and a half into my journey, right? I'd have these classes where I'd get to a new level in my flexibility, mm. right? I might just, I might be doing a particular pose and then instantly, oh, yeah. like a light switching, suddenly I'm into this place in my hips that I've never been before and it would come with a flood of emotions. Mm. Now, for me, they were always good emotions. It was euphoria. Um. And I can remember each of these classes where it happened. I'd just get these waves of good feeling and I'd be smiling for days after. I don't know why it happened. You know, maybe Dr. Basil van der Kolk would be able to explain it more, but it felt good. This was one year into your practice. Yeah. It took me that long before I was able to get into my hips. There was so much resistance. It was physical resistance. It was physical pain, but I think it was emotional resistance as well. And how has that helped? How has that helped improve you today? So here we're getting outside of conventional science. Right. Right? There is some science to support what I'm going to say, but I believe that parts of your body can hold experiences. Mm. Okay, so parts of your body can remember trauma. They can remember hurt, right? And they hold it in there. And if you're able to get into those places and stretch those muscles and give them a bit of love and attention, you're able to let go. Mm. Right? Now, how did yoga help me? It gave me a means to let go of a whole lot of baggage that I'd been carrying around my whole life. It was stuff that I tried to deal with intellectually, and I'd had some success doing that. I tried to deal with it emotionally, and I'd had some success. But the final piece of the puzzle was just dealing with it on a physical level. Seems like and the most easiest way to approach it as well. Like, you've you got to do all of it. Yeah. It's no good just to work into your body and not address whatever's yeah. going on mentally, right? Um, do, have you noticed me having a strange posture or a strange way of walking? Hmm. Like, like recently? Yeah, since you've been I, I guess. Yeah. But not, I wouldn't say it's strange. It's just like the way you walk. You got is a little... It, is it very noticeable? That little shuffle. You got a little like dinosaur shuffle. <laughs> is that why? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But is it very pronounced and noticeable? Like I if you say saw, If you saw me walking down the street, would you say, oh, that guy's got something wrong with him? No. I wouldn't say something wrong with him. I just, that's, that's just the way to walk. you walk. Okay, before I started yoga, you would. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't move or coordinate my body properly. Okay. Yeah, whenever I moved my foot, the <laughs> other arm would swing out to the side. I'd walk with my arms going side to side. Oh, that doesn't happen now. No. No, no, no. When I, when I think of your walk, I think of that funny di- dinosaur shuffle that you do. <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about, that little, like, like cheeky, cheeky little, like, eh, what's for lunch? That kind of walk. But not like a creepy, like, why this guy's arms are flaying around kind of walk. It's more of like a, like, a, just a cheeky walk. Yeah. yeah. So before I started yoga, people used to ask me all the time, are you injured? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I couldn't even stand in a normal way. 
I'd have, to, I'd have to sh- I'd have to shift my balance from foot to foot and move my hands around to compensate. Uh, I never felt this, I never felt a, stable or grounded. Was this a mind body. thing? What, what, I mean, I mean, it is on some level a mind thing, but you just weren't aware of it, and your body reacted in that way where you were walking awkwardly. Well, think about it this way: as you said, the mind and the body are mm. so related. If your mind is disconnected from your hips and your mind is not able to engage your hip muscles to the extent that it can stabilize you when you walk, Mm. you're not going to be able to walk properly. That's true. That's what was going on with me. Mm. I had no ability to engage my hip muscles, so probably my pelvis was just Okay, okay, okay. I was trying to compensate for that lack of core engagement by swinging my arms. Have you, you, you've come to terms with what, with your trauma, have you, to a certain extent? I think as much as you can, yeah. Mm. Do you mind if I pry a little bit? Yeah, but I might not answer. Fair enough, okay. Because I want to try and find out a little bit more of the trauma to understand the effects it's having on your body and how it translates, okay? I'm assuming it's something that happened to you physically. Yep. Mm. Um, when you were young. Yep. Young, young enough to the stage where you still had your innocence? Or old enough to, oh, to like, defend yourself? I guess. No, 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 like, like very young. Young, fuck. That's the worst. How has that affected your, your childhood then? Like when you, were you aware of the thing that was happening to you? Did you knew that what happened to you was bad? Or were you like, I, I, I don't know whether it's good or bad, but I was just like, whatever. Or when it happened to you, like, fuck, this is a terrible thing that has happened to me. And it has henceforth affected your life since. All of the above. Hmm. Okay. It, it's both those things at yeah. once. Yeah. Your mind has an ability to compartmentalize How things. long did you, how know, did you in, in the same way that a person who's in a disaster situation, right? Mm-hmm. They might be completely overloaded on a conscious level and right. unable to function, but still they're able to run away and maybe help someone along the way. You know, your mind has an ability to shut down on one yeah. level, which yeah, is true yeah, for me. Yeah. I didn't have memories of this for a long time. Like I wasn't aware that these things had occurred, right? But they were so influential in my behavior mm. and how I thought about the world and how I viewed certain people that there's no way that I didn't know them. You know, there's just different levels of knowing. You can know something very deep in your right. mind, but not in your consciousness. How is that? How is that? Like, if I look at you now, you seem like a normal guy. You seem like a... You seem almost... Um, you're, you're put together. You're not... You, you have your shit together. I look at you, you're... You are like... You got it all good like you're you're stable Mm -hmm. mentally you don't seem like someone who's gone through anything but on the other hand it's because you've gone through whatever you've gone through that you've managed to overcome it yeah and it's made you who you are today it's it's made you stronger right i wouldn't say that you are a weak person emotionally or mentally Mm -hmm. most people who deal with certain things after having gone through it and having overcome it they are definitely very strong strong strong-minded and you see that in LTT as well the things that happen to the people there it's I I hear it and I also 
like you see the way they break down it's so it's not like it's not like boohoo it's really like oh fuck I've been storing yeah. this for a long time and then yeah. like Pong. you got some pothole inside yourself yeah, that man. you just fall deep inside of a sinkhole and and it's quite <laughs> it's it's very powerful it's powerful because you see that raw emotion come out mm-hmm. and and us as strangers at that time we didn't know how to deal with it Lee was the one that held space for us to allow that to happen and to make it okay for us to to do that so I'm always very grateful for her when when I um, when I had my moment of vulnerability it also came as a sudden like a sudden um, it just happened I wasn't planning to do it I wasn't planning to do it at all like the only time I was I wanted to have a good cry was that day in the back band one uh, when when like everybody was crying you could hear them sobbing um, uh, the loving kindness thing and then I was just waiting there like yeah alright I'm gonna have a good cry I'm gonna have a good quiet cry by myself I have a little nice man here and I'm gonna feel better but it never came mm-hmm. and I was disappointed and I, I went home feeling a little bit dis- like like how come I couldn't yeah you know that there's emotions in there that yeah, want to be released I want, and I, I think that's what was happening in my hips I had a lifetime of those things stored in there yeah and I was waiting for that, that chance I was like this feels this felt like the right time to do it why couldn't I release so I went home, I was like, oh man, oh well, like, oh, whatever. Just didn't think much about it. And that day was the day that we did a lot of homework for the Yamas, Niyamas, or whatever. So then the next day was the day. And I didn't enjoy doing the questions because um, the questions forced me to go down uh, 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 um, like, it forced me to dig deeper into the, the areas that I didn't want to dig, dig deep in. So the next day, like personal stuff. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean personal, yes, but not, or rather, like it's more of the principle. Okay, so yeah, because to to me, the stuff that we were covering there was more pretty generic, pretty generic, right? Yeah, it wasn't necessarily what's happened in your here's, life or what's that. It's here's more. what I um. Let me try and explain it. So the questions that day were like um, how does the, the, the these yamas yamas relate to you or whatever okay and I had a difficult time answering those questions because I was aware of the answer so let me think okay let me give you you know what let me just say the whole story to sort of get a better idea so it was Candace that, like, also we were just going around, right? We were just going around selling, telling all the stuff. And then Lee kept probing me. Yeah. Deliberately. She knew something was up, so she kept probing and probing. Like, I remember it was pretty funny to watch. Yeah. Him. What do I, you think about this? I was like, I, oh, no, so you know, I forgot not much, Pass, pass. And then she's like, okay, now you can't pass. Like, oh, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> just uh, give some half ass answer. And then Candace, um, it was her turn to speak, and then she revealed something about her. Her, 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 her dad right and her issues with him and I've got daddy issues right so when it came to me and after her and hearing her story then I think like just during that whole day I felt like it was coming and it was coming and I didn't know why and then when it reached me and it was she was asking me to answer some question that had nothing to do with like I had no reason to, to break down at that point but then when she asked me I was like oh, I, was, I was just so flustered and then and then it, it just came so when it came, I felt release, and then, so to explain, 
um, my issues with my dad stemmed a long time ago, and without going into much detail to to to, because this is a long story. Um, to sum it all up, um, for a long time, my my dad took away my peace. Let's 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 say that he took away my peace. Can and I make a guess about what the story mm, is? I guess you could, but I don't think you would know the answer. But go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I I look at you, right? Mm. You're the first born son. Second. Are you the second? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Does that change things? Kind of. Yeah. I just uh, I just assumed you got a lot of pressure to go down the academic road, work hard in school, uh, get a job, make money. Not at all, dude. Okay. No, no. Yeah, completely wrong. There. Yeah. Oh well. Good try. <laughs> no um, prize for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. So I held him responsible for a lot of the things that gone wrong and wrong in my life. Um, oh, I wasn't very physically active because my dad didn't teach me sports. Oh, I wasn't very good with girls because my dad didn't teach me how to do. Oh, I wasn't do this. I wasn't that. Oh, it's because of oh, my dad. As I got older, I realized that yes, he was responsible, but it's also I, in my own head, made him responsible for it. You know. So it's not really, it's his fault, but it's also not really his fault because I chose to put the blame on him. Right. I could have easily just, like, this is my life. I got to take responsibility for how I react to things, and I can easily choose to blame other people for everything that's going on in the world, or I need to take responsibility and handle my shit. Hmm. So, so I that's what I did, right? I learned as much as I could. I tried to find influences, positive influences through friends, through activities, whatever. I tried to see the world in a different way, and that's what all the yamas and yamas are about. So I follow the yamas and yamas to, to a certain extent, but when it comes down to certain aspects of it, like forgiveness or whatever, um, I can't bring myself to forgive him. I know the 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 way to solve this problem is to forgive him, right? Because once I forgive him, everything goes away, right? But then yeah, I well, can't, and that's I, a matter of the ego already. And I'm but, aware but of all forgiveness these is a is a really interesting word to unpack because what does forgiveness actually mean? There are different definitions of it. You know? What's it to you? I think it's a pretty generic way of interpreting it. There is, but let's say that What's you were to go to therapy, for example, yeah. you know, and you've had something in your life and you want to make peace with it, right? Your therapist yeah. might, you might express to a therapist, you have a need to forgive someone, but there's a reason you, you haven't, right? Mm. And one of, the, one of the common reasons people don't like to forgive is they feel like it disempowers them, right? It yes. takes, it devalidates, is that a word? Devalues or whatever, it takes away the validation of their own experience because suddenly all these bad things that I suffered, well, it's okay. Mm. You know, and um, maybe forgiveness is uh, finding a way to let go of the need for that validation without um, giving up. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I get what you mean. Like you, you were saying something about like how if I forgive you, then it sort of 
strips you of all the things that you've done. That yeah, whatever, it absolves you of responsibility. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. all the things, all the bad things you've done, I forgive you. All good. Yeah. And now we're supposed to be friends. Yeah, but I don't want that. I don't want to forgive him. I don't yeah. want to give him this 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 get out of jail free thing. Yeah, and this but, is this is why you have to think a little bit about forgiveness. Well, what actually is it, and how can I find a way to make it work for my situation? Exactly. So, like to me, that is what I need to do to um to reconcile. I need to give him or myself the permission to forgive him so that I can move on with my life in a different direction. But because I don't want to, based on my ego or whatever, I have every right not to forgive him for the things he's done. And no one can blame me for that. But I am choosing to hold on to this hate. right? I am choosing to wake up every day deciding I'm going to hate this guy. And it's a lot of effort. And it's, a con- it's an internal conflict because I am waking up to choose this because I can't bring myself to forgive my, forgive him. That's on me, right? Mm-hmm. And also, if I go out spreading all the, yeah, the, the, the good things about Yamas and Yamas through my work, but yet I'm not following it, then I'm a hypocrite, yep. right? And when I was answering those questions, I felt that way. I knew what was the problem. I just didn't want to do it. Okay. Does that make me a bad person? Yes and no, right? I'm not strong enough to forgive. It's, it's, it's not as easy. It's very difficult to forgive someone. But then that is the way... But what would it mean? Fun. Like if you visualized forgiveness and how your life would be different after you forgave this person? It will what, be different. Like let's say... If is I could, it that you're going to have a great relationship with them? No, no, no. It's more of like um, closure in a sense. Like I'm, I've spent all these years feeling this way about you. Having this kind of feelings where at that end, at, on his side, He's just like, whatever, like, it's just another day. I'm not waking up, losing my mind. Like, I'm, I'm just waking up. I just eat my breakfast. I don't care. But over at the other end, like me, I'm waking up like, fuck this guy. Like, oh, I know everything is wrong in the world because of him. And then, but he, he's just like, yeah, whatever. I'm just watching TV. So I'm putting all this weight on myself. You know what I mean? But what do you want from him? Do you want validation of what you I don't want validation. Feeling? I want, like, I, another thing is that like, because of my experiences with him, it has hardened me in a good way, I would say now. Like if I look back on it, who I am today, and I like who I am today, is partially because of him. He's put me through certain things that has tested me and I've overcome them and that has made me a better person now. And in a way, I have to thank him for who I've become, a stronger person now. So then like, I'm gonna give this guy credit for, for for putting me through all this pain. Yes, I am a better person now, but like that was unnecessary. So like now I have to force myself, like, why would I, hey, thanks for putting me through all this bullshit. At least I'm a better person now, thanks. You know, you're not gonna do that. So it's just really just how you look at it. And I feel that being able to forgive, it takes a lot, but it is, it is the, it is the yeah. way to go if you wanna improve and I want to improve I want to get better yeah I mean from what I understand about forgiveness it seems like you've already done 95% of the job anyway because the first thing you've done is you've um, you've taken whatever that pain is and you've dealt with it right in a way that you've been able to integrate it into your character to make you the person you are today mm. and even though you're not saying something like I enjoyed it you are saying that you're glad it happened. I'm acknowledging it. Right? I mean, I can't... 
it will be it wouldn't be healthy of me to say like oh all these things are all these bad things happen because and I have I'm always gonna be angry about it I have to look at the bright side of it right that's how we deal I'm in a way deluding myself yeah but it takes you a long time before you can get to that point I'm sure that took you yeah. years to arrive to that understanding right it did like you get older you get a bit more mature you start to understand you see the world in a different way yeah I've learned to deal with it overcome it I've learned to live with it because it's still there yeah. I've learned to be more self-aware and I catch myself when I start to feel certain emotions that I shouldn't be feeling yeah and as much like a year's worth of like learning to deal with it all it takes is just one day of him doing something some dumb shit and it will just go all the way back down to zero okay. so it's very um, it's very trying yeah fucking parents right you can't well this is one of the things about Asia where you, you can't leave yeah. and, <laughs> and then like we and then like you go back to the TT again when I slowly you get to learn about the people and then like realize that, oh it's all these daddy issues fucking daddy issues everywhere it's people it's people everyone's got either daddy issues or mummy issues or both yeah and and like if you look at all like you look at all of us you hear the issues and you know straight away ah you are like this because of this you can sort of see like like why Xiao Ting is so fiery why Candace is like that why he, why you are like that why I am like that or why why um um Rachel is like that we all have our issues and that has shaped us in a certain way. And you can see the damage being done as the adult. Same with my my um I don't wanna I don't wanna get into I don't want to be in a, a relationship. For the very same reason that I see my parents are like this, why would I want to put myself through that? You know? It makes sense through my experience just to not want to do certain things or to to to, to, to live my life in a certain way through the mistakes of other people. And it's fair. Like, it's very fair for me to want to do that. If you were in my shoes and experienced the same thing, you would choose the same path. But that's not to say that my path is better than your path. Or your path is better than my path. It's just we are who we are through time and circumstance. You know what? I, I disagree with that, actually. You know, there's this idea that we as people, we're completely shaped by our experiences. Mm-hmm. So if you had the life story of someone else, you would behave exactly like them. But I, I don't think that's necessarily the case at all i think we do actually have innate personality characteristics that Uh, guide us differently in life and you know when people who have heard the story of my life and what i experienced have they they know what i've gone through one of these questions they ask is well how did you manage to let go of it what journey did you go on and i could tell you a lot of that journey but i don't think i can credit myself for it necessarily i think what it might come down to at the end of the day is just that there are people who are more resilient than other people and Mm. resilience is a quality it's a skill you can learn but Mm. it also is a characteristic don't you think that through the ex through your certain experiences you can develop that resilience sure sure but experiences can crush it as well that's true Um, we aren't just the products of our life stories. You know what I mean? We are people who are, mm. who are different and individual. And that's not to say that someone in your situation would have dealt with it better. Most people would have dealt with it even worse. Um, right? I believe, um, yes, that's true. Like me and my sister, we went through the same thing, I would say. Or maybe her experience is a little different from mine, but we still had the same father. Mm-hmm. And she turned out in a completely different way. 
than I did. Like we were, we were so opposite. Like even now, and it's a bit sad because like, again, I uh, like、um, my relationship with my sister is very well, is very good, and I also put my dad as being responsible for that. But now that I look back on it, I feel like she sort of suffered a little bit more because of maybe her lack of resilience or just. She didn't meet the right people at the right time、yeah. to be to to be able to help her in that sense. And I was lucky enough to find yoga, to find like positive people in my life to bring me up.、Yeah. So, same experience, same kind of people going through the same thing, but two different outcomes. So I believe in that. Yeah, yeah. and I had to be grateful about it because I turned out, I would say, well, like yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, together. <laughs> <laughs> you got. You got manifest proof of that. You know, you、yeah. just look at your life and how you are as a person.、Um, well, I mean, we all got issues. We all got our problems. It's how we deal with it. How, how did you get into yoga anyway? I've deliberately not asked you about this because I wanted <laughs> I it to come out. I've told people over the over the years, but, but have you talked about it on the podcast before? Here and there.、Um, up, okay. up. Okay. So, is it time for the full story? I guess it's not a very long story, but yeah, sure.、Um, My ex-girlfriend, my only ex-girlfriend. I've only had one.、Uh, one is enough. Why do you kept all the other ones? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> in my basement. <laughs> so, um, she was doing her TT, and then she, so she, she does yoga. I don't, I don't know where. Some community. I can't, can't remember where. I don't think it's a boutique studio. Anyway. So she she would like I I remember always like oh yeah what what are you up to you wanna hang out this now she's gonna go do yoga oh okay so so she's a big yogi, and then one day she decides to 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 quit her job and to do a TT. Wow.、So、I was like yeah okay cool, um so she she did that and then like that was the period where I went to um went overseas to do my vipassana thing my my my. Oh, you did a meditation retreat. Yeah, yeah, meditation retreat. Okay. So like, sort of like, so she would be focused on that, and I would focus on that. So like, so I wouldn't interrupt her because you know, like the TT is intensive. So I, I don't want to like disturb her. And she needs to study and all that. So like, okay, I'll go away. She'll still do that. Anyway, um, so when she came back, since she taught me, uh, my first yoga class, which is at my house in my room, uh, laid out a mat, and then she just sort of like talked me through it. That was my first ever experience with yoga. I don't know what. Like what is all this about? And I was open, but I was like still like,、eh, it's still something for girls. I'm not gonna be into it. So the first time I did it,、um, the only thing I remember was that I didn't understand it. So I would like question her, like why, why are you saying these things? What, what is Shabbat now? Why do I have to lie down? Like I'm just asking her these questions. And then I would pant, I would breathe from my mouth, like cause I would like I'll get tired and I'll just like. <sighs> Breathe from my mouth, right? And I, I would like fall out of poses and stuff like that. Were you asking her why you needed to do it? I can't mid- remember. Like she brought you into shavasana, and you're like, "Why do I have to?" <laughs> yeah, you know, like being a being a a, a prick, lah, right? I'll just bring a a dude, like a guy, like, "Hey, what's this?" Like, I'm not taking this seriously. This yoga things for girls, you know. So, so then I I did it, and then I was like,、oh, "Okay, this is kind of cool." Like I didn't, then then I was, I didn't think much about it. And the second, so she needs to keep practicing, right? Well, to, what is it, it's kind of cool. What do you mean? Like you enjoyed? I mean, it was like oh, it's a nice thing, but like I don't think something I'll, different. Yeah, I, just, I don't think I'll pick it up, lah. Right, it's just a thing, right? Then the second time she did it again, she wanted to because、uh, she needs to practice her mock. So I'm the only one there, right? It's like it's like boy, that's like a boyfriend's duty, lah. Yeah. 
So she did it again, and she told me about ujahi. So then that's where I understood like, oh, I gotta keep breathing through my nose. And um, I don't think she explained ujahi very well, or I didn't understand it at that point. So I didn't do the the loud breathing. I just did like breathe through my nose. And then because of the the that I was forced to exert myself, so then I would breathe a little harder through my nose, which then created the ujahi naturally. So what I noticed from day one, and I mean first time and second time, was that when I breathe through my nose, I could last longer. I wouldn't pant as much, and I could stay focused. And at the end of the class, I felt energized. I felt awake. I felt like this is nice. Like it felt, it felt nice. The glow, right? The yeah. the yoga glow. You got hooked. Yeah. No, I'm me. I don't know. Okay. So, so that was it. That was she taught me two times. We broke up like a couple of months later. And then, uh, another friend of mine she told me about yoga movement and like just go for class. And I was like, oh, what's this? Yeah, sure. And then I went. I went and I I was just like I, it was just a thing that I did and it was nice, right? It was just a nice thing to do. Nothing. No remarkable no, stories. No. Do you rem- Do you remember the teacher? No, I don't remember. The first few ones I don't remember. When I look down at my list of my first teacher, I don't even know who that is. Yeah. yeah. I just know that I went with my friend. And then I would just do that once a week, every Sunday, 4 p.m. power at, o- at, at Orchard 22. And uh, this was just like a thing to do on the side of my Muay Thai. So back then I was, I was like doing striking. Not very good at it, right? but it was just a thing to counter the, the, the Muay Thai. So every time I went, I would also be reminded of her, right? Because she was the one that brought me into it. So in a way, I didn't like it. Or I didn't want to remember her by it, but I liked it. I liked it attending at the same time. Uh, one class became two, twice a week. Twice a week became three times a week. Three times a week became three times a day. Started to weave myself into the community. Started to talk to the front desk. Started to talk to the teachers. It was only when I and I knew at some point I was gonna take my TT, but I told myself I'm still gonna wait until I can do a handstand, then I'll join. It wasn't only until I met Mei Yen, um, and she was it's the same friend that introduced me to why I'm introducing me to Mei Yen's class. And after after class, Mei Yen went to talk to my friend, and then she went, then introduced her to me. And we just started talking, and it was her that helped vouch me to the rest of the YM people, because gotcha. otherwise, before that, I was just that creepy guy that spoke to all the, the girls at class at, at the studio so like I was just that random guy who just the regular random regular but afterwards I became Mayan's friend and Mayan taught me a lot I'm sure they didn't think you were creepy they weren't they didn't think I was creepy la, but like you, you know you're still a customer you're still the outsider right? yeah but you're not creepy I, I don't know I could be creepy <laughs> who knows <laughs> but like um yeah, whatever lah, for whatever reason, and then she, I start to know all the people at YM, and then I was like, okay, I'm gonna take my TT. This was the time when I went to to MP. So so then I took my TT, came back. Yeah, and, and yeah, we first met on the TT, but you'd seen me at, at MP, Priya, yeah. right? and I'd seen you on the social media there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw when you started at YM, and I was always curious to take your classes. The, you still haven't, have you? No, Not because really, yeah. uh, by the time you joined YM, I didn't have any more classes uh, then. And I was waiting for them to come on to class yeah. class. 
I knew they would eventually. Ooh, I didn't know. I I didn't know they they would do that because I thought they would like they were like home. You know, they would like say exclusive. Oh, yeah. I guess that's the story. It's not very interesting. Okay. Mm. But here's here's a question to ask in light of your story, right? Mm. What need was yoga satisfying for you ah. that was unsatisfied? That's a good question. Let me think about this. Because you could have gotten into anything. If I was being honest, it was a way for me to get close to my ex. That's one. If I am being very honest. Another reason is that it felt good, and I'm not going to deny that. It was a great compliment to um, striking, because when you're doing you know Muay Thai, it's it's hard. It's it's it hurts the body. But yoga opens up the body. Yeah. So it was a nice way to still keep fit and relax. So there's the physical aspect and then there's the emotional aspect of wanting to be close to her in that sense. After a while, it sort of tilted. Like it became more about, like I went for the practice. And then once you, the more you go for the practice, the more the practice reveals itself to you, then it no longer becomes about the physical aspect. It becomes about the the spiritual, the emotional, the breath, the mind, the connection, all these things come in. Mm. And then once you are aware enough to see these things, then yoga, then the, then the physical practice is the least, you know, it's the last reason you want to go to, to yoga for. Why is it that after, after a long time, or like say you haven't done yoga for a month, you want to go not to work out because you're tired. You want to go there to feel refreshed. You know, it's very strange. You breathe, you, you connect with your body, connect with your mind, you find peace. Mm. Peace through movement. Mm. If only more people understood that. That's our job in the future. That may be your job. The, te- the responsibility of a teacher is, is a lot, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you my story. So, I... Maybe I'll uh, take a toilet break first. Sure. Yeah. Should I pause it? Should I just talk to myself? Talk to yourself if you like, whatever. Alright. How long have we been going? Um, an hour, 20 minutes. Talking to myself. Eating fruits. Robert has been kind enough to lay out this nice platter of coffee, tea, Marrakesh mint tea, bowl of grapes, bowl of mixed fruits consisting of watermelon, pineapple, dragon fruit, blueberries, pineapples. Did I say pineapples? Melons, all the stops, pulling out all the stops. Such a, such a hospitable guest. Um, it's a nice little cozy room. Uh, you left this cat outside. Cat's name is Ginger. Very friendly cat. Uh, interesting, interesting talking to him. Oh, and he's back. See? What were you saying? Just talking to myself. Candy break. Yeah. Mm, chew. Go ahead. Mm. As a student, I mean, like, so you, uh, like you started out as a student mm-hmm. of yoga, and now that you've gone through the TT, and now you sort of understand the two different sides, you're transitioning to the teacher mindset now. How has that changed your perspective on yoga? 
Oh, good question. Right. Before that, you were just a student showing up for class. Now you're potentially a teacher. What's changed? What's changed within you as the person? And what's changed within your perspective? Okay, I'll, I'll tell you how I got into yoga. Oh yeah, right. And then yeah. let's let's get to that question. And if I forget, I'll remind to you. answer. Yeah, remind me. I'll make a note. So the question is. Oh, I got it here. How I, has I wrote it down? Okay. I'll ask you again. So. Yes, origin story. Let's go. <laughs> it was a life crisis, essentially, <laughs> of right? <course. laughs> it of it course. always is, yeah. <laughs> so, as I was approaching thirty, I think when I was about age twenty-eight, I went through this period where I started to get tired, like really tired, tired all the time. So I'd come home life. from work, I'd be exhausted. I'd have no energy to call my friends, my family. I'd just sit in bed with a book, but not even really read it properly. Then I was so tired that I'd fall asleep early and I could sleep for hours and hours and hours and I'd wake up exhausted. Uh, And that would be the most awake that I would feel all day. And I'd go to work in this fog and for weeks it was like that. And I assumed that I had some kind of physical illness. I thought I had cancer. Right, and I was, I was really annoyed. I thought, yeah. oh god, it's going to be a hassle having cancer. You know, I have to maybe go back to Australia and deal with this. Just die at your home. <laughs> go back home to die. <laughs> <laughs> so what did I do? Well, I basically did nothing and just hoped it would get better, and it didn't get worse. So I was pretty sure I didn't have cancer. But after weeks and weeks, I was still tired, and. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was something physically wrong. So I went for the first medical check that I'd had in probably like 10 years. I went to a doctor. I got all my fluids tested. I had a full body inspection and um, I had to go back home and wait a week for the results, right? And I came back to the doctor's office and basically there's nothing wrong with me, right? But I was completely prepared to find out that I'd be dead in a month, you know? The doctor was like, uh, yeah, Mr. Koss, there's been a news. She was like, there's been an issue with your ECG, like the heart thing. And I was like, oh, I know it. I've I've got like heart disease. I'm going to die or something like that. And she's like, no, 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 it's a technical issue. You know, we think the reading was wrong. If you see here, there's a spike. We think it was because the machine made a technical mistake. And I was like, no, no, I think I've got something wrong with my heart. And they made me do another another ECG and that was fine and everything else was fine I was in perfect physical health right and I realized okay so whatever it is that's making me tired it's some kind of emotional thing that I'm going through or some developmental crisis with life and I had a feeling about what it was right at that point in my life I was living with this constant sense of frustration right and it came out in very specific ways you know I might be waiting for the bus and I'm checking the time it says the bus is going to arrive in eight minutes but after eight minutes the bus is still two minutes away and I'm getting myself worked up you know about that or yeah I was always getting worked up in my head about stuff and what was going on at a deeper level I understand now okay as a kid 
I assumed that by age 30, I'd be married, I'd have a bank balance with six digits, I'd have figured out the meaning of my life, I'd have kids, life would make sense, and everything would be easy, right? So that was what I assumed my adult years would be like. And then during my 20s, I lived completely for the moment. So all of the money that I had, I'd spend traveling, going away. I partied a lot. I had, I had a really good time in my 20s. And I've got this whole wealth of experiences from that time. But as I was getting to the end of my 20s, I started to remember those childhood expectations about my life. And they started to come back and feel important. And I was like, oh shit, my career isn't where I thought it would be. I, life doesn't make sense like I thought it would. I still feel just as confused about what I'm supposed to do with my life, all of this. And I think on many levels, I was starting to feel like a failure. Right? It was a voice in the back of my mind. But I didn't realize that at the time. I just thought I had this problem where I was getting frustrated at everything. So I went to the library and I found myself in the like mental wellness section, completely in denial that I needed these books. Right? I was telling myself, oh, I'll go read a book about crazy people. Right? That might be entertaining. It might be fun. Oh, look, here's a book about anxiety and anger management. That'll be interesting. I can learn what angry people are like, right? I had this weird dialogue where I was telling myself that this was not about me. It was just me learning about other people. And I got this book by Albert Ellis, Dr. Albert Ellis. In the history of psychology, he's the second most influential person after Freud. So Albert Ellis had his heyday in the 70s. And pre prior to him, it was all Freudian psychoanalysis, you know, cigar shaped objects, symbols in dreams, stuff like that. It was Albert Ellis who turned or shifted psychology more in a person focused way, right? And the stuff that he pioneered came to be cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, stuff like that. And I was reading this book that he wrote about anger I think it was like how to stop your anger from controlling you and every word that he wrote went straight to my heart it was like I was reading myself on the page it was a feeling like I've never had in my life like somebody is just describing every single one of my deepest inner processes right and that was shocking But fortunately, he gave helpful tips about how to not be so angry and caught up in your anger. I should clarify here, right, that if you had known me at this point in my life, you would be surprised to hear me say I'm an angry person because I was still smiley, Rob, always, you know, having a good time. My anger that I was holding, it was something deep inside that was projected internally. Self-hate. I don't know that it was self-hate. It wasn't like what I was saying is not, I'm not good enough. I'm angry at myself. It was about other people. 
these damn people who organize the buses, they can't do it right. I've got to wait two more minutes. I'm going to be late to work. Damn this, damn right, that. Right. This coffee tastes bad. They don't know how to make it. It was a really hateful dialogue about the world, mm. right? But it was well below anything I would show outside. Um, yeah, anyway, so this book, it recommended that angry people try breathing. And he described breathing techniques. So I sat there in my chair and I just tried some breathing techniques. Spend 30 seconds breathing deeply. Count the number of seconds you inhale, get an equal length exhale or longer. And it felt good. Just like that. 30 seconds was enough to change my mood significantly. Right? So I kind of got addicted to intentional breathing mm. to the point where I was starting my day with like 30 minutes of it. Yeah. Right? I was ending my day with, you know, a good 15 minutes of breathing. And it improved my quality of life immensely. This okay. is the, um, what breathing technique? What prana? The first one, right? The Samavri. Yeah, Samavri. Yeah. Yep. So that was one of them. Um, and I would do it synchronized to my heartbeat. So I'd breathe like four heartbeats in, oh, six okay, okay. out. Okay, okay. And I think at one point I started doing breath retention in it. Baya yeah. Kumbaka. <laughs> and so I figured, okay, this is basically meditation, isn't it? What I'm doing? I guess. I mean, it sounds like meditation. Yeah. If you take the time to like sit down in stillness and just focus on your breath, that sounds like meditation to me. But yeah, even if I was doing something that was a kind of meditation, I was concerned that I might not be doing it correctly. And also, you can hear in this apartment, there's a bit of noise, right? So I'd sit there doing my breathing and I'd be angry at the traffic, uh, right? I'd be like, I'm trying so hard to meditate, but those bloody motorbikes are disturbing me, right? So I figured, okay, I should learn meditation properly, right? I'm going to go on one of these retreats. This was, this is recent. Yeah. Yeah, this is like a couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so well, like five years ago you were a completely different person internally yeah like, well, well I, I don't know that I was completely different I just had a different I just outlook. had an angry edge to my inner dialogue that okay. I don't have anymore um, yeah, so you yeah. went on a meditation retreat yeah yeah and it was for my 30th birthday mm. right as you know I was getting anxious about turning 30 and I didn't want to deal with any phone calls on my 30th birthday because I had such conflicted feelings that my answer to that was to go on a meditation retreat where no one could contact me. <laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, yeah, the meditation retreat was really interesting on a personal level. I, I told the story in the YTT how, you know, I came face to face with all of this anger that I had inside of me. And I saw it in its totality like how it actually was manifesting in my thoughts. But I also had an insight into why it was, you know, it wasn't that there was a problem with the world or anything like that. There was nothing wrong with the world, right? You know, plenty of people are in this same world experiencing these same things and they have no problem with it. They like it, right? The problem is that I'm just not satisfied with something inside and I'm projecting that dissatisfaction onto the entire world, punishing the world because there's something in me that's not happening. 
which was a good thing to realize because once you have a realization like that you can you can say to yourself okay well i'll stop being so stupid mm. next time i get really angry instead of assuming it has to do with all those other people i'll realize okay it's me that's got the problem and look a bit inwards rather than mm. trying to lash out outwards but okay how does yoga fit into this well on this meditation retreat uh the guy who conducts the English programs is this older German guy. He would lead us through a yoga routine in the mornings. Like one hour? Half an hour? I think it was about half an hour. And it wasn't anything active. It was just... just like Tai Chi shit. Uh, like yeah, yeah or, or what you'd get more in a restorative class, you know. We might do a few things standing up where we circle our hips around, we move our arms, then we lie down, we do butterfly, we do fish pose... Um, and what the meditation was doing for my mind, doing that, it gave me that not only in my mind, but my whole body. I felt a kind of peace, clarity, comfort, and lightness all over. Mm. I felt great. And after doing that for a few days, and the experience was always positive. I have never not, I've never stopped doing yoga since then. As soon as I got back to Singapore, I started looking for teachers. Uh, I tried some teachers off Craigslist. Whoa. Yeah, because I didn't even realize, I didn't feel like I was... Ready um, for like a class. Yeah, I didn't feel like I had enough skills to go mm. into a class. I didn't realize you could be a total beginner and go into a yoga class. I assumed that yoga classes were for people who can lift their heel up to their ear and stuff like that so i thought okay i've got to learn do some private classes something like that but it was all a bit of a pain to organize yeah. and there was one day that i was coming home from work on the bus the bus 174 it was going through clark key mm -hmm. and i saw yoga movement oh. carpenter street and i was like okay i'll try that place yeah and that became my home for like a year and a half. Whoa. Yeah. I can still remember my first class. Who was it? Kristen. Oh, yeah. She British she, girl with yeah, the curly I hair. I think she's still, she's still around. I can't remember. I've never met her. But I know she is. Yeah. yeah. And most of my most formative classes, the ones that have left the biggest impact on me, happened at Yoga Movement. Whoa. Yeah. Huh. How long ago was this? A year. So I'm 33 now. So it's three years ago. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Are you surprised that it's not been longer? No, I'm not surprised. It's just, it's kind of cool. It's a cool story. Okay. And the question that I asked you, right, what was yoga giving you that other things in yeah. life weren't? So for me, one of them was a sense of community. Okay, okay. especially in your position, yeah. where you're like a foreigner. A lot of my good friends had either moved on from Singapore or I'd moved on in the sense that I was getting into healthy living. Mm. Right? I used to party a lot, but... I hit a point where my body just couldn't take it. So when that happened to me, 
I drifted apart from my friends for a little while. Sure enough, they got into healthy living eventually and we reconnected, but there was a few years where I was feeling a little bit of a social lack. Uh, and because those are the people you hung out with, and to hang out with them, you needed to go and fucking go to town, like hit the bars and all that. Like. They were cool with me not drinking. That was fine. It was more just the late nights. Yeah. For, for me, even staying up till one, two o'clock in the morning. Um, and... By that point in my life, I really cared about my language teaching. Ah. You know, I needed my sleep so that I could go and do my job well. Right. Because I hated... What were they doing? What were their professions that they could just like party at two, like two in the morning? Um, musicians. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. One of I mean, them's an their, artist. That's their life, isn't it? Like, yeah. That's, that, they have to be in the night. Like, you know. Hmm. Um, another thing though, like... I had a lot of body image issues. Yeah? And... Okay, one thing that goes back to my childhood, right? Yeah. So, I'm the youngest in my family. And I started school early. What do you mean? So, I was reading and writing when I was, like, two. Uh Uh-huh. So, I went to school early. Okay. Now, I'm the youngest in my family and I'm the youngest in my grade. I didn't... Okay. Now, what, what does this mean, right? I was in Australia. Right. You seeing what I'm getting at? No. Australia's a sporting culture. Uh, okay. Right? Oh, uh, you got, you had it rough. Yeah, so... <laughs> you were young, you were a nerd, had it rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a common thing that yeah. any social gathering, whether it's uh, amongst kids or it's a family occasion, you all get together and play some kind of sport. Right. Usually something tough like rugby. Yeah. And I would just get creamed. Right? So my entire childhood was punctuated with these experiences where, you know, a family gathering might turn into backyard cricket. And then, you know, big kids are smashing a cricket ball my way and I'm, you know, the cricket ball might hit me and I get all injured. And um, how I rationalized that as a kid is that I was weak, I was not good enough. I was uncoordinated, I was embarrassing, and that was something that I carried with me into adulthood. And how that manifested for me at university is when I finally got into sport, I had this attitude of going hard as a kind of revenge Mm. on that small little child that I used to be, right? So the first sport I got into was running. And I just used to run, run, run every day as hard as I could. And there'd be in pain and it would hurt me and it felt good. I liked doing it because it felt like some kind of justice. Mm. You know, this, all those years that you were lazy, you were not good enough, we're going to work your body into shape. And I had that attitude to sport in everything I did. And I got into marathon running, then I took up swimming. And for me, sport was always about that going hard and then you found yoga yep (laughs) now how does that work in yoga it doesn't at all yeah it's frowned upon almost yep and for me it was such a relief to be given permission to just treat your body well to do an exercise where you nurture nourish your body Mm. it's not about all those things that I was all about before 
this is about looking after yourself. Something about these these um non-competitive activities, like these disciplines. Yoga is a discipline. Mm. Martial arts is a discipline because there's no goal. Like there's no like like let's win the championship, let's get the gold medal. There's no gold medal in yoga. Mm-hmm. There's there is, I guess, but like not in the sense that we see it. I think there is for everyone though, right? And we can in talk a way, more yeah, about that. yeah, but but it's it's an individual thing. And same with martial arts, like no matter how much you train, you think you're so good, there's always gonna be someone better. And the idea of training martial arts is not to compete to see who can kick each other better. It's about discipline, it's about showing up to train, to 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 use the violence that you know to protect. It's about the the lessons behind it, right? Same with uh, yoga, but it's more internal. Be kind to yourself, blah, blah. Um, and all these things, you will take years to get good at it. And it doesn't matter. Like, there is no end point. You can do this every day without a, a goal. Like, I'm not working towards being able to put my foot behind my head. That's Yeah, you can have yoga goals, but that's not the point you do yoga. I don't wake up every day, right? Today, I'm going to try and do this. That's not the point. You just do the thing, you go on your journey, and eventually one day the foot just flies behind your head. Great, good for you. No big deal yep. if you don't, because that's not the point. But, okay, so when you get onto the mat for somebody else's class, mm. what, are you, what are you hoping to achieve by being there, if for, anything? So, if, like, as in, like, what do I, what's my agenda for showing up to class? Yeah. For myself. For me to feel good, for me to take away what I need to take away from this practice. Is um, that a goal in itself though? I wouldn't say it's a goal. Okay. It's not a goal, it's an intention. Mm. I want to feel good. Usually, most of the time, set an intention before class. My goal or my intention is to feel good. And all, most of the time, I always do. Mm. And even if I don't, I don't care. Right? There are going to be bad classes. You will be. You will experience them. And then you'll be like, eh, this kind of sucks. But whatevs, you know, life goes on. I'm not going to like hold on to it. So yeah, it's not a goal. Yeah. yeah. Set an intention. Most of the time, yeah, it's a very easy intention. Just be happy. Be kind. Uh, greet someone on the train, you know, shit like that. I think everybody needs to put goals somewhere though, right? And if you don't have strong goals with your yoga were you getting them elsewhere in your life? Like, were you using martial arts for that? I'm not a very goal... I'm not very... Um, I don't have... I don't have a lot of aspirations. That's just me. I feel like I'm very lazy-minded in that sense. All... My goal is to just get better at yoga. And getting better at yoga and getting better at jujitsu is to... Could be... Could be on one extreme end, winning the gold medal for every competition, being able to put my foot behind your head. Or the other end is to, to, to get better is to just show up. To just do the thing. Yeah. And that's that satisfies me already. As long as I show up and I'll get better. I think to clarify, right? I think for you getting better is a matter of just regularity because I see how you practice. You're mm-hmm. not the kind of person who's going to push yourself into option yeah. three for every single thing you do. So you're not going there with this attitude like I need to get better by going as hard as I can. It's different, right? Think of it as like when you go to the gym and you're not very strong. My goal is to lift this this like 100 kg. 
So I go there and I put 100 kg on my weight and I try and lift it every day. Versus, I'm just going to lift this 10 kg every day. And every day I go there and I lift it. 10 kg one day, 10 kg two day. One year later, if I step in front of the 100 kg, I'll be able to lift it. Versus from day one to now, I still try and lift the 100 kg and I go nowhere. You get the analogy? So it's not a bad matter about pushing yourself 300, like option three all the way. If you feel like doing it, if I feel like I have a, I have a strong practice, I feel very powerful today, I want to burn that, that excess energy, sure, I'll jump into an arm balance or whatever. But if I don't, then it doesn't matter because I'm all about consistency, not so much the, the, the quality of the class. Because if I burn myself out or if I hurt myself, even worse, in one class where I can try and do something that I know I cannot, I'm too tired to do, and then I hurt myself, that will set me back a month of yoga. Did you come to yoga with that wisdom already or did yoga teach you it? Hmm. Because yoga taught me the importance of knowing your limits, right? I, I injured myself six months in by... I don't know. I don't think... Maybe yoga revealed it to me but I always had that mindset in a way where I was never competitive I was always gonna just go and like if I feel like doing it I'll do it because I don't really care like I never felt that yoga was a competition so I never saw it that way but like oh fuck this guy's hand standing I'm gonna do it too I never felt that way because it was a matter of ego to me like I didn't if I wanted to handstand in front of this class now it's it's because I want to not because I want to show off and if I did am I doing it for the right reasons you know because I have my eyes closed during practice almost all the time. And that's not that's for me to not see what people are doing to get affected and to tune in, right? So if I feel like doing whatever I want to do, even my drishti is all like, I'm just staring at space. I'm not looking at people. Most of the time I practice whoever that's near me, I don't really know what they're doing. And I kind of like that I don't know what they're doing because then I know that I'm coming to practice for myself. Hmm. Hmm. So I'm... I'm curious to hear about your yoga journey after starting until now because I think the way you're approaching it is quite different from certainly how I was when I started, right? And I'll tell you about what's happened with me. So um, my first experiences with with yoga were in that meditation retreat environment where it was very chill and it was just about stretching and all of that. And coming back to Singapore, I got into yoga movement, right? where that whole side of me that's goal-oriented, it's competitive, it's fitness-focused, it had an outlet, right? A yoga Mm. movement. You see what I mean? You know, I could... My old ways of going hard, I was able to apply that into yoga. And that's what I thought doing yoga was, this athletic pursuit where you... You'd be competitive with yourself every day, going but it, a little it bit. It can further. be if it if it resonates with you. Like what, like you and David, you guys are strong practitioners. You can option tree all the way, and that that that's to you is a way of releasing whatever that you're storing up. There's nothing wrong with it. You got to know how to deal with it though. And like I said, I got into trouble six months in. I, I got some kind of hip injury that stuck with me for um, a long time because I was doing some kind of hip opening thing that was not appropriate for me at that time. Um, <laughs> I can still remember the class too. What, what, what pose was it? You know, the funny thing is, I don't know what pose it was exactly. It was a strong sequence and I was taking option four on everything, right? There's the option three that the teacher gives you and then there's like some stuff that beginner yoga Rob invented in his own mind. And um, 
like I went through the whole sequence, but then after Shavasana, I couldn't walk. My leg was frozen from the hip. Maybe Max would know, but there was something deep inside my hip that got pulled or torn or something like that. Mm. Um, like, so you had to limp out of studios or you were like... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I deserved it, right? Like, it's as I know now, that's kind of... That's exactly what you're not supposed to be doing in yoga, you know? You're putting your body into quite extreme positions, you know? You're putting your body at the limits of its flexibility. And you've got to respect that limit because if you push it over that, you're going to injure yourself. Right. Which is exactly what happened to me. Um, and so I got my awakening uh. very soon into my journey. And I knew, okay, I've got to respect my limits, but how am I going to do that? Because my natural instinct is just to go 100% physical into the postures. And what I decided to do was, okay, I'm going to maybe take 30% of that energy and I'm going to dedicate it just to my breath mm. and I'm going to become breath conscious and that's what classes will be for me rather than about the full physical expression it's going to be about getting my breath in time with everything and this was six months into my practice that I actually bothered to think about the importance of breath and it changed everything right suddenly yoga went to this much more meditative state not just in the shavasana and afterwards but the whole thing was a moving meditation like you talked about and strangely i noticed that when i did that i was able to go more fuller into the physical expressions which makes sense your muscles are engaged where they need to be but relaxed otherwise you know and if you're able to engage intentionally like that your body will do the rest um, I like how you came to that conclusion and I, I sort of feel like you sort of understood it a little bit more based on that experience like what the practice of yoga is to you and that, that, the idea of being able to hold a pose with in comfort let's say like so like if you're in your warrior two you're not engaging every single muscle in your body to hold in that pose like argh. you are engaging muscles but you're also relaxed, you're comfortable. I heard from somewhere about like, whenever you're in a pose, you have to tell yourself that you're gonna be holding that pose forever. Mm. So when you're in that pose, you have, you allocate the amount of energy that needs to be holding in that pose. Let's say in a warrior three, right? It's not an easy pose to hold. You hold for, for like two minutes, you're gonna be struggling. But if you tell your mind that you are gonna hold this pose forever, you start to loosen up, you start to relax, you start to ease into that pose. Mm. It's gonna be painful, but you start to let go of that pain. Because mm. if you think if you think like, oh, I'm just gonna be here for five more breaths. Uh, come on, four more breaths. Yeah. Uh, and then your mind starts to play tricks on you and you're holding it for the wrong reasons. But if you can relax that mind, it's like, yeah, I'm gonna be here forever. Yeah, the way, start- the way I think about that in my head is arriving into a pose. Ah, that's a nice way to think about There's it. There's something that just happens yeah. where you come in the door and boom. Yeah, you're there. You've, Once you're, you're there, reached. you're solid. Yeah. See, and all that comes through your own self-discovery. You interpreted that analogy on your own through that experience, through your own practice. Yeah, well, I think what happened is I got to a point where I realized, okay, all these teachers have been telling me to inhale, exhale. They've been talking so much about the breath and I never listened to it. <laughs> Maybe I should start doing that. Yeah. Um, 
So it kind of happened as a result of their advice. It finally got through to me. Um, now, when did I become such an alignment-focused practitioner, right? I think there's an exact class I can trace it to, right? You know Dom? From Yoga Yeah. Yeah. So the second class that I ever did with her, it was one of her basics. And in the middle of that class, she gave us a down dog workshop, mm. right? Where she cued us into an active down dog with via all these different parts of the body, right? Now, I'd always use down dog as a resting pose, just get in the position and chill, right? But she invited us to begin with our fingertips, this part of your palm, pressing in, engaging your hand fully, moving up to the forearms, coming into the biceps, twisting the shoulders, engaging your upper back, pushing the belly towards the thighs, engaging the thighs towards each other, the glutes upwards, your calves, your feet, how to fully engage every muscle in down dog, right? Now, she wasn't saying this is how you do a down dog, obviously, right? She's just... There's this, there's this, there's this, and you start to awaken those parts of the body. Precisely. And then you realize down dog is not a resting pose. Yeah. And that class blew my mind because what I realized from that is that you can have a pose like downward dog. And you think you know how to do it because you look in the mirror and it looks like a down dog. But there's this whole universe, this infinity inside of you mm. that you can engage on a minute level with all these different muscles. And it's nothing you can see from the outside, but suddenly you start feeling the pose in all these different parts of your body. And the pose becomes something new entirely. There are worlds within down dog that you didn't know about. Right? There you go. And I thought, okay, well, if that's true for down dog... Can it be true for other poses? And so I started doing it in all the poses. I'd hang out at home, right? I'd get into a forward fold and I'd spend a few minutes doing it, just trying out engaging the ball of my foot, trying in the heels, shifting around a little bit. And um, I became very interested in all of these different ways to tweak poses. Not for a, a better expression or anything like that, but just to just to feel them differently, to feel them fully in the body. Mm. And it was from that, it was at that point in my practice that yoga started to feel like a symphony inside my body. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. I feel like it could be in a way a symphony because you're, there's all these different parts that you have to orchestrate mm -hmm. from the mind, the body, the breath, your, your toes, your calves every single thing has to be aligned in that particular moment to, to create that tune mm -hmm. mm. and I think part of the reason why I like difficult asana is because to get into more advanced poses and be stable in them it's not there's there's two ways to do it for example a handstand right you can get there via strength or you get there via control right and some mix of it usually, like the more strength you have, the less control you need. But if you have full control in your handstand, you can engage all these parts of your body in a very mi micro yeah, manner. Yeah. You don't need much strength. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's true because like 
after a while when you you when you're holding in your high lunge or whatever you don't, you're not you're not using a lot of strength you know you you sort of settle in you you yeah it 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 feels quite light the longer if, you do it if if you're lifting up with your core right and you're engaging your core so that your legs don't need to support your torso so much yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right and your hips can support themselves yeah. and then you push your heel up and your heel just gives you that little bit of yeah, extra yeah, power yeah. to stay stable and it feels harder at first because you're you're not used to engaging that but after a while it gets easier yeah because you yeah. figure out you don't need to engage it fully yeah. you just need to engage all these parts enough at the right time to keep yourself there yeah hmm. that's interesting that's a very that's a very technical way of looking at it. Yeah. Which makes sense. Mm. And this is what I love about yoga, right? You push your body to these places which are quite extreme, you know, these positions where you couldn't hold them normally, right? But you've got to be there. You've got to stay chill. You stay inside your breathing. And there's a mental challenge to feel into all these different parts of your body and activate them in just the right way. I love it in a twisted lunge, thinking, what am I doing with my thigh to support the twist in my torso? Mm. And I'm always going through these different engagements. Okay. So that's what I'm doing, right? And that's kind of where my yoga journey has taken me since starting. Yeah. Right? But how about you? Huh. Yeah, like I said, it was... It, it was always a matter of therapy. I think in a in a very general sense, doing the yoga makes me feel better. And when I feel better, I go out into the world okay. spreading more positive energy. Not to say I go around and like donate money and like jump for joy and like ha he it's more of like I think if 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 I can like stop the negative energy with me it stops the spreading of negative energy. So, someone bumps into you on a train, you'd be like, fuck that guy. Then you feel angry, you carry that anger all the way to work, you score your, you score your employee, employee goes home, scores the wife, the wife scores the kid, the kid get ang- gets angry, goes to school, bullies someone, the hate continues to go down. Okay. But if someone bumps into me on a train, I'm like, eh, he's probably having a bad day. And it ends. Right? You have that power to stop that. And by doing that, you are on a grand scale, you're changing the world. And yoga has the power to do that because after you leave the yoga class, you feel great, you feel light. All the negative energy has been spent doing your arm balances, holding your warrior twos. So, you you have no beef with the world. The world is, a, is, is, is the, a tree has no concept of right and wrong, of good or bad, you know? The world has nothing to do with, it's your interpretation of the world. Okay. If you, if, if I gave you a piece of paper, write down everything that you hate about your life right now, okay? Write down all the things. And then on another piece of paper, write down everything you and you're grateful for. Every day you have the choice of which paper you want to look at. Everybody's life will full of problems. At the same time, everybody's... Um, we have a lot of things to be grateful for. From our parents, from the roof over our head, from the money, from just the, 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 the chance to, to wake up in the morning. You're not dead, right? If you want to be really specific about it. I have all, both my arms and legs. I can walk, I can breathe, I can jump, I can... And these are things that we take for, for granted. Okay. Because um, what's I saying about... Um, the, the, the man who desires a lot of things will never be happy. 
or you know, the man who wants a lot of things something about the healthy man wants a lot of things but the sick man only wants one thing mm. right mm. because we're in this comfortable state of having everything we don't appreciate what we don't have we have our lives we are alive that's something to be very grateful for the moment we wake up we can we can exist mm. versus the guy who's gonna die right so it's these things that we're not aware of because we take it for granted yoga helps so I I get now why you clicked with Lee's classes right away because the way Lee approaches yoga I think is if not the same as that then it's like super on that same wavelength you can see for me why I didn't get her class at all right Because I, I got, like, this nerdy obsession yeah. with all the finer details of the asana. You know, like, I, I really like going to technical teachers yeah. and getting all these, like, minor engagement cues and applying them. I look up stuff online. And it's fine. Like, that's your style. And I'm sure you can learn more alignment-based stuff. From but I don't think I need to. I think I'm okay with that stuff. What I need is to learn other sides yeah. of it, right? This is why I chose... Yeah. This is why I'm happy I chose Lee's training. Why I wanted something outside my paradigm to challenge me a bit. That's true. And I feel that it complements your um, uh, your style. If you were to... Like, like now you can look at it on both sides, yeah. you know? Because if I went and did a super alignment-specific training... I would have become this teacher that's like an alignment like, drill do instructor. Do this, do that. Right hand must be straight, toes pointing here. Yep, precisely. Not, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that, but also we got to give a bit more credit to different people and their body types. We got to respect yeah. that. And my whole thing is I want to, I don't want me as a teacher to alienate people. Mm. Right? And if you're, if I became that teacher, I think I would have alienated a lot of people who I would want to reach out to. That's true. That is true. Yeah, because only a certain kind of student is going to enjoy classes with a teacher like that. Mm. It's a mix of both. I mean, I'm sure as much feely, feely you, like, say other people are, we still need alignment. We still need to know what... Tell me, am I in the right... Am I doing the right thing? You know, I still need that as much as you tell me to ground down into the earth and feel my chakras or whatever it's a balance yeah. and it's your style it's your voice and how you find it and how you, you grow with it it's a journey man and that's the thing it's important as a teacher to understand all these perspectives yeah. and I couldn't understand other perspectives before this YTT and that you know your earlier question how has this YTT changed me as a teacher yeah. it's made me appreciate all of these different reasons that people come to yoga for because I'd only uh, ever, I'd only ever thought of yoga as this pursuit of technical mastery, right? You know, learning the million minute things that are going on in your body and finding some kind of control over them on a physical level. That's true. Oh, I understand. Mm. Makes sense. Mm. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And for me, I, I feel like it's such a beautiful thing, yoga and asana practice. But the physicality of itself is beautiful and infinite for me you know without even needing to think about anything else mm. like I'm quite happy to practice on my own are you? yes 
and no. Yes, because like, I am essentially practicing on my own, whether I'm in a studio or not. But also, I like the energy of people around me. Yeah. Yeah. So I am practicing on my own because I can't see, I, uh, eyes are closed, I can't see what's going on left and right. But I like that being in that place. and You, you like, get the vibes from yeah, the group. And the energy is very important. It is a factor to consider as well. Yeah. And you, when you start to teach, and I say when you start to teach, not if, you will start to realize that the energy of the room, it's, people were not going to show up to class like rainbows and sunshines. They're going to come from a long day of work being shouted at by their boss. And they're going to come to you for that release or they're just going to, they just broke up. Hey, yeah, hey, come to yoga, you feel better. And then you go to, to class and all these bad energies are going to be floating around the room and it's up to you to hold space, number one. Still teach a good class and not be affected by that bad energy. Because everybody there is just gonna look at you like, come on, like what? What do you have to offer me? I pay yeah. good money to be here. Like, like it's your job to, to make me feel better. And they are gonna look at it. They're not gonna tell you, but they'll tell you from your their eyes, you know. Yeah. And you gotta look at them back and like just be cool. Like like I got this control. Just trust me and 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 let's flow. And there are times where you look at them like, oh shit. Like I don't know if I can. I'm capable of doing this. And then you falter. And that's gonna be fine as well because that's part of teaching. Yeah. And. We, I've experienced a little bit of that in the mocks that we've done in the YTT mm. and it caught me completely by surprise, right? Because when I go into the studio, I tend to close my eyes, right? And I only really look at the teacher if they're demoing a pose and I don't get what they're saying. Mm. Then I'll take a glance over just to check what I need to be doing. I'm kind of in my own little world on mm. the mat. Um, but then when I got up in front of a class... I assumed that everyone would just be in their own world and I'm Oh man, they're looking at you. Yeah. All of them are looking at you. <laughs> and there's as much communication coming back to you, like non-verbal communication mm. as you are giving to them. And it caught me completely by surprise. Yeah. And you can feel it, you can feel people watching you, you can see them breaking you down, tearing down all your defenses. You can see them like seeing right through your facade if you had one. If you came in with like, all right, I'm just gonna, just gonna say this and do that and say all the right things. They can see through it. Yeah. They see through your your inauthentic, your your, your inauthenticity. Yeah, your inauthenticity. Is that a word? I don't know. But if you're not being authentic, they can see through that. Yeah. That's why Lee says to embody what you say and to teach what you know and to teach like how you want to be taught. One of the um, yeah, one of the interesting moments that happened during our mock last week is you, you know I had my sequence planned and. One of the rest poses was Sphinx pose with a half frog, right? A hip opening and I cued the class into that and I'm like, okay, take the half frog now and I think I did some kind of going. And David wasn't doing it. (laughs) Fucking David. And he's lying there in his Sphinx and I look at him. I'm like, this this tiny little flash of anger came up. Like, why isn't he doing it? And then he looked at me and he had this look on his face like he was pissed off and I, was, and I got scared I was like oh god I've let him down you know what? why isn't he taking the frog and <laughs> yeah yeah but then you like like he explained it afterwards like he was just like yeah it's yeah. just my my yoga phase you know like your, your yeah and that's a guy who's our batch mate right yeah. and we're comfortable with each other you know I can't imagine what it's like when a stranger does that to you man <laughs> So this has been a good chat. Yeah. Is there anything we haven't covered? I don't know. Anything on your list that you want to talk about? 
I'm 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 satisfied. Shall we wrap it up? Let me just think. <laughs> Such a pita move, fucking printing out your to do list. <laughs> I didn't your, want to look at my phone. Your fucking like, <laughs> well, what we're gonna talk about today? Now, what I'm just wondering is, um, have we represented Lee? Uh, in an appropriate line. Hmm. I feel like I have. I feel like yeah. We've, we've talked about what's amazing about her. Uh huh. Um. I feel like we. I everything that I say is out of respect and out of like appreciation for the things or for the. Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm just wondering if there's stuff that we've said or we've emphasized on which will give people the wrong impression. Like, hmm, let's for, think for back. example, from what we've spoken about. Are people listening going to think that teacher training with Lee is like sitting on the couch with Oprah Winfrey? No. Tell me your life story. No, I don't think so. It's not like that. And I think people who who have gone for her class will know her style. I think it's very easy to see what style she is from one class. Mm -hmm. And if you resonate with that style or not, which I think she does, she's... Her style is very... um, Everybody can relate to her style on some level. Yep. So I think she's very accessible. It's very in, in, intimate. And she connects with the students and she emphasizes that in her teachings as well. Um, if people are interested to find out more about her TT, they can always talk to us. Yeah. Mm. And I think I want to mention for the sake of balance that we, we talked about how with regards to queuing, yeah. her advice was find find your own way and when we were talking about philosophy in class she would direct the questions to us what do you guys think about mm. that um, but that's not at all out of laziness no, know, no, when, no, no, when no. she needed to be rigorous as a teacher she was she was super rigorous she, she put on the teacher shoes straight away when she needed to oh yeah yeah ooh scary and she was super prepared for all yeah. the yeah. For all the lessons you know she was uh, she works hard yeah and I can see it and she doesn't show a glimpse of like she never faltered she was just present when we were when we were sharing she was looking at you she was there you know she was listening to every word we would talk about something and then she'd be like yeah and and uh, Robert said something about that right well, do you have any thoughts about that and she'll bring it back because she remember what you said the last time so it was and that takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of focus and plus she's teaching and she's te- she's teaching a, a class in the morning which is already very tiring and teaching all the modules which is also very tiring mm-hmm. and 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 planning and like adapting along the way and holding space for all our our, our boohoo moments yeah. it's admirable I, I don't know how she does it but but I have a lot of respect for her mm. you know I'll follow her man yeah, and wherever she goes yeah no I feel the same way it's kind of um, weird but yeah um shall we wrap it up well i just want to say one more final thing sure so talking about my own journey right like i mentioned a few classes at ym and how that was my home for um a long time but at the moment i'm pretty agnostic with studios i go to a lot of different ones and as you should yeah i have a lot of different teachers and just because i've mentioned ym it's not to discredit them at all so you know (laughs) shout out shout out to all the teachers Shout out to all the teachers. They know who they are, who I've been to. Um, <laughs> but there's one I want to mention specially, and it's Cheyenne, right? Ah, it was on your last podcast because... Well, well. The first time anyone ever tried to get me into a pincher of my Arasana, it was her. Ah. 
and I couldn't do it in her class, right? I was doing the one week yoga lab trial. I had her class on the Saturday uh-huh. and uh, we were doing pincher with a block against the wall, stuff like that. Couldn't get it in the class. The next day I got it, but I wasn't able to come to any of her classes since. So, Cheyenne, thank you for pincher my arasana. Yeah, making, making a difference. <laughs> cool. And with that, we end this podcast. Do Thanks, you, bro. Yeah. Do you, um, how can people reach you? Do you have an email? You got a website or something? I've got an Instagram. Yeah. Uh, at the underscore island <laughs> underscore whispers. The island whispers. With Should we even want to, do we even want to find out why? Should we not even ask? Well, what do you think it means? Island whispers, I don't know. Some abstract island whispers. Something about. Oh, the world speaking to you or something? Yeah, it could be. Sure. All right, man. This yeah. is fun. There'll be more on the Instagram soon. Right now, it's pretty bare bones, but I'm yeah. figuring these things out. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me on, Aaron. Yeah. Let's go. <sighs> fun times. After we had our chat, Robert dropped me a text with this quote about forgiveness. It's not the full quote, I I did a bit of research and I sort of filled in the blanks here and there on my own. So I'll share it with you guys. Forgiveness is about accepting that you are responsible for what is happening in your life now, regardless of what's happened to you in the past. It's not about saying what that person did was okay. It's about choosing to let go of the hurt and anger that interferes with your ability to enjoy life now. You don't need to say anything to that person. You don't need to behave in any way to them. You just need to learn to stop giving them power over your life. And once you see that there's no benefit to staying in a place of suffering, you stop clinging on to that old pain that's holding you back. Only then can you find closure. Only then can you find peace. Hmm. Well, I hope you enjoyed the listening. As always, drop me a message if you want to reach out. Uh, Share this on your Instagram stories. Tag me. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Same, same. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode, which will happen hopefully next week. Otherwise, the week after. I don't know. I am going to be doing stuff. Got some time to kill before the outro music ends. Uh, Got anything to talk about? Anybody got any cool book recommendations? Maybe let me know. Uh, I'm also, I'm also planning to go on a trip, a short trip. I don't know where to go. Let me know. Let me know where it's a good getaway to clear my head, feel a bit lost, and get some new perspective on life. Ooh. Might plan to go to Bali, or maybe Vietnam, climb some mountains, maybe Bangkok, maybe Thailand. I always love Thailand. Lots of friends there. Might do that. Uh, Okay. I'll see you guys soon. Okay, bye.